0: God really is amazing. I mean, really, He is. In all my years of preaching, and especially in my years of preaching regularly and pastoring, I'm not sure if I've ever had a Sunday morning where my notes were pretty much already ready from before. (laughs) And uh, that's kind of interesting. So um, I I'm, I feel like I'm a little bit eaten up with this subject right now, and it's part of the reason. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you enjoy sitting around doing nothing. I can't stand it. I hate it. Uh, I got my I got my grandfather Singletary's genes in me, and I, I don't like doing nothing. <laughs> um, and so I. I, I probably here this morning out of a little bit of selfishness. I just needed some normalcy. And uh, this is one of the ways to get it. But I I just, this subject just has not been very far out of my subconscious for weeks now. And so we're going to, we're going to kind of pick back up on it this morning. And uh, so I just, I want to read, and and really this is really started two weeks ago. really is when this Sunday morning theme began if you weren't here either of those services I'd encourage you to go back and and listen or watch the ones you meant missed so start with Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse number 10 Solomon says the preacher sought to find out acceptable words and that which was written was upright even words of truth The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. And further by these, my son, be admonished of making many books. There is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Verse number 13, Solomon says this, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. This is what everything, this is what life is all about. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And so again this morning, I want to minister on the subject of the fear of the lord father thank you for your presence your wonderful presence and we have felt in this place this morning it's been here in such a such a heavy not in a negative heaviness but in such a heavy way god i don't know what you've already done i believe you've already done some things in some hearts and lives by the ministering of your spirit by the ministering of the body to the body and i pray that You would continue now through Your Word. Lord, I pray we've got kids in here today that are not normally in here on a Sunday morning, and I pray, God, that while there may be things said this morning that they don't necessarily comprehend intellectually yet, that seeds would be sown into hearts and lives in this place today. Seeds, Lord, that would produce fruit in the future. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Probably should have used the lapel mic this morning, but... Didn't know how to get it all wired up, so here I am. Thank you for your, your patience. i uh not going to go into the depth that I went into last week, some of the foundational stuff. We kind of, we finished off last week's transitioning into talking about some of the benefits, blessings, attributes, characteristics of the of the fear of the Lord, and that's where I want to, I want to pick up this morning. I read last Sunday morning in Job chapter 28 in verse number 28. Job says, And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. It's interesting, at least in the sequence of scripture. Uh, I'm not 100% sure if it's the chronological order of these things or not, but. At least in the sequence of Scripture, what Job says comes before what the psalmist David says and before what Solomon says. And in this one verse, Job encapsulates the two things that both David and Solomon reference as being part of the fear of the Lord. He says that the fear of the Lord is wisdom and to depart from evil is Understanding. We will uh, read it in a few minutes here, but in one place, David says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and Solomon references the fear of the Lord with regards to understanding. And so, the 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 kind of and I, I'm going to kind of go through these this morning, and if it continues next week, I'm just I'm just kind of going through these things in the order in which you find them in Scripture. If you were to do a a uh, concordance search of the phrase "the fear of the Lord." This is this is the sequence in which they come up, and so that's that's just the that's the the pattern that I'm going to follow here. Uh, and so the the next reference after Job that we find with regards to the fear of the Lord is found in Psalms 19 and verse nine, and the psalmist says this: "For the fear of the Lord is." clean. Enduring forever, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The fear of the Lord is, it's clean. The word clean there in the Hebrew means this, it is properly to be bright. By implication, it's to be pure, physical, sound, clear, unadulterated. Levitically, it it is uncontaminated, morally innocent or holy. The fear of the Lord is clean. We are living in a world that wants to tell us the opposite of that. We're living in a world that wants to try to tell us that the fear of the Lord is, is anything but Clean and pure. That in, that in fact, it's the opposite. It's, it's cumbersome. It's a burden. It's wearisome. But the psalmist says that the fear of the Lord is, it is clean. I want to read to you a little bit from some commentaries what it says about this idea of the fear of the Lord being clean. It says that the word used here means properly clear, pure, in a physical sense as opposed to filthy soiled, then in a ceremonial sense as opposed to that which is profane or common, then in a moral sense as a clean heart. It is also applied to pure gold. The sense here is that there is nothing in it that tends to corrupt the morals or defile the soul, everything connected with it is of a pure or holy tendency adapted to cleanse the soul and to make it holy. Isn't it interesting that with the, the even the laws, laws that our government is putting into place that contradict the laws of the Word of God, isn't it amazing what they tend to lean to, what they, what they, what the, the the consequences of them are. I realize we've been in the midst of changes with this in the last, I guess, year or so, but for decades abortion has been legal in this nation and and it has been supported and our government has passed laws that, that say it's okay. And now in the last several years we're dealing with laws that are being passed that change the biblical definition of marriage and, and the biblical definition of, a, of a, what a man or a woman is and who decides whether or not you're a man or a woman. And so we've got new laws, but they are not laws that are pure. They're not clean because they, they, they don't, as that last part says, the sense here is that there is nothing in it that tends to corrupt the morals. There's nothing in the Word of God that leads to decay and corruption. But the laws that have been acti- enacted in our, in our country and laws that are being promoted throughout the world and, and you do understand that, that we're, that, that, that every step we take with changing a law, the closer we get to changing things we never thought we'd change. I, I'm I'm sorry. I know we got kids here today, but they, if you, if they're in public school, don't get mad at me for using some words this morning from the pulpit, because they're getting a whole lot worse than this. And I'm un, my understanding is it's happening all the way down to kindergarten now. It <laughs> You, you, it, it's, it's, it's heading down the path that pedophilia is going to be legalized. No way, can't, no, no. The problem is when you change laws that God established, you can't stop. Because the Bible says there's something inside of us that we were created with this, with this unsatiable desire. It's never enough. Whatever it is that you choose to focus life on, it's never enough. If you decide for anything but Jesus to be your purpose, Solomon said, here's what it's all about. It all boils down to this. Fear God and keep His commandments. That's the whole duty of man. And you can try to sell this world a bill of goods that fearing God and keeping His commandments is unnecessary. But you can change whatever laws you want to change in D.C. And you can change whatever laws you want to change at the United Nations in New York City. But you cannot change the law of God. It's clean. It's pure. It's unadulterated. There's nothing impure in it. There's nothing natural that is completely impure. Everything's got an element of impurity, but not the Word of God. Not the fear of the Lord. It is clean clean. There's, there's nothing negative in it. There's no impure elements in it. I feel like y'all are just kind of sitting there staring at the sling. I need you to help me out. I, I didn't come to fill in time this morning. I, <laughs> if I make you feel any better. I'm about to take it off. <laughs> it's clean. It's clean. And it endures forever. I got a question. When does forever stop? When does forever end? Never. It's clean and it endures forever three different places in the gospels Matthew 24:35 Mark 13:31 and Luke 21:33 this doesn't happen often in scripture it may be some other times but even throughout the gospels when you when you find in the gospels them them saying the same thing Re- re- relating the same story, oftentimes, at least in the translation, there is a little bit of difference in the way it, said, it is said. But this verse is found exactly like this in these three Gospels. Word for word in these three verses, I'll just read Matthew twenty-four thirty-six. Heaven and earth shall pass away. I don't want to get anybody mad here with a hot-button topic, but I do not believe in global warming. I do not believe the problems going on in our world with our climate, etc., is global warming. I'll tell you what it is. Read your Bible. I find it personally to be very interesting that you read, and they're saying they're not sure how much longer Earth and this world can last the way it is. I agree 100%. But it's not their reasoning. Jesus said through his word, heaven and earth is going to pass away. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. No, we don't have the resources to sustain life on this planet forever. And I find it to be very interesting the way that man's predictions are correlating with the timing of the plan and the purpose of God. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Never going to pass away. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. It's clean. I have wrestled the last two services, two Sunday mornings, as I have referenced the fear of the Lord, and even throughout the week, I, I have wrestled because the definition as I've read to you of the, the word fear in the Old Testament, in that definition is the word afraid. But, but then the other words are awe, reverence, respect. And, and I have wrestled with the idea that I, I don't think God wants us to be afraid of Him. And so I feel like I've kind of fumbled through the last couple of Sunday mornings when I've referenced this trying to trying to somehow am I trying to explain away something? but a couple of days ago, I think it was Monday, if I'm not mistaken, I feel like the Lord gave me a the answer to that. If the fear of the Lord is clean then then, then fear in the sense that we and it, we usually reference the word fear. That that doesn't seem to be a a loving, just, good God. That being afraid of the Lord is the beginning of. I and again, I, I do think there there is a there is a degree of being afraid that is healthy. I was I had a healthy afraidness. I don't know if that's a word, but I had a healthy afraidness of my dad. Probably still do to a degree. I think all dads have a tendency to sit them, They can be wheelchair-bound, 100 years old. I, don't tell, I can still take you. And what's interesting is there may have been some, but most sons aren't going to put it to the test. Inside, you're saying, yeah, you can't, you can't even move. But there's that nagging fear way down deep inside that says, What if he still can? So I, I'm not telling you that there aren't some times that, that, to a degree, being afraid. But I don't believe the essence of what Job is talking about and what David's talking about and what we, we will read Solomon's. I don't think the essence of that is to be afraid of the Lord. I don't think the essence is that being afraid of the Lord is the beginning. So First John 4 and verse 18 says this, There is no fear in love. And the word fear there is dread, terror, afraid. There is no fear in love, but perfect love, casteth out fear. We have a tendency to quote that verse this way, per- perfect love casteth out all fear. Not sure I have the full explanation of why, but that's not what the Scripture says. It just says, perfect love casts out fear. Because fear hath torment. Torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. The Amplified Bible says it this way, There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment, and so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. And then the Living Bible says it this way, We, we need have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what He might do to us. If we are afraid, it is for fear of what He might do to us and shows that we are not fully convinced that He really loves us. So the fear of the Lord is not about a terror, a dread. It is reverence and respect and all but I don't have to have terror and be afraid of Him because perfect love casts out fear and God is... I've said this before, but I'm going to pause and say it again right now. There is a big difference between saying God loves and saying God is love. You and I love... But you aren't love. And I'm not love. Because I'm not pure like the fear of the Lord. I got some other stuff that I'm working on getting out of me. So God, does God love? Yes, God loves. But more importantly, God is. There is no fear in love. And God is love, so there should be no fear, terror of God in love. See Again, and it's probably, you know, I've been doing this for 30 plus years now, preaching to some degree or other, some consistency or other, and I still have to learn to recognize that, you know, the devil doesn't like the Word of God being preached or taught, and sometimes I, I know i've done it, and I know i'm not the only one. Sometimes a preacher while he 's preaching or teaching can can misinterpret what he's feeling, and sometimes you think it's the the individuals when actually it's not the individuals it's the enemy and and and, and it's it's really, it's ultimately, it's probably the enemy, but there has been this internal struggle these last couple of weeks, and especially the last Sunday morning And this, as this has been the primary topic. is that, that is just, who wants to talk about the fear of the Lord? That is, it's not popular. That's not appealing. How is it not appealing if it's the beginning of wisdom? How is it not appealing if, if it's where understanding comes from? How How is it not appealing if it is clean and pure? I, I think I failed to make this point a few moments ago. It's interesting that with all the laws that the that have been changed in our world, the people that have chosen man's laws over God's laws are the ones with some of the highest suicide rates, some of the highest depression rates, some of the highest anxiety rates. That's not clean. That's not pure. But the fear of the Lord is clean. It's pure. And it endures forever. Forever. Again, in the sequence of how it shows up in Scripture, the next thing we find, and this is where the psalmist says what... Job said, but Psalm 111 in verse number 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do His commandments, His praise endureth forever. The Living Bible says it this way, How can men be wise? The only way to begin is by reverence for God For growth in wisdom comes from obeying His laws. Praise His name forever. Living Bible says, or excuse me, the Amplified says it this way. The reverent fear and worship of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and skill. The preceding and the first essential, the prerequisite And the alphabet, a good understanding, wisdom, and meaning have all those who do the will of the Lord, their praise of Him endures forever. And then the contemporary Jewish Bible says it like this, the first and foremost point of wisdom is the fear of Adonai. All those living by it gain good common sense. His praise stands forever. I like the way the complete Jewish Bible says that first part there. The first and foremost point of wisdom is the fear of Adonai. We came to this building this morning from many different starting points there are a number of households families here people that live with with other people whether it's family members or a roommate you you live with somebody that that you came from the same place but but there there's somewhere around 250 people here this morning probably and 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 we probably came from i'd say at least 125 to 150 from 125 to 150 different locations because the 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 important thing was the destination wisdom is not the destination or excuse me the fear of the Lord which produces wisdom that's not the destination Wisdom is the starting point, and wisdom is based on a fear of the Lord. I don't care what the world says, I don't care what the world thinks, if a person does not have the fear of the Lord, they are not wise. I didn't say they may not be smart, I didn't say they may not be intellectual. But, according to the Word of God, I got a question. You can respond if you want to i 'm not really looking for your outward response on this again, if you want to that 's fine but but I, I want you to respond between you and Jesus, the real, true, honest answer, not the peer pressure answer. How many of you truly, honestly believe and try to live that the Word of God is the final say on everything? Because the enemy has crept his way into the church. Used to be, most Christians believed the Word of God was the final say. But the enemy's weaseled his way into the church. And he's got people, and I will say even apostolics, who don't necessarily live and believe that the Word of God is the final say. <laughs> Culture is not the final say social media is not the final say the education system is not the final say Hollywood is not the final say Whatever's popular in our world today is not the final say heaven and earth is going to pass away but the word of God remains forever you can put your trust in something else if you want to but as for me and my house the word of God is the source and the, the path of life Nothing else. Fear of the Lord is the beginning. You start anywhere else besides the fear of the Lord, you don't have wisdom. A wisdom. Isaiah the prophet said it this way in Isaiah 11 verse number 2 prophesying of the coming of Jesus. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding and the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. I read these verses the other day. I thought, man, these are some great verses with regards to the Godhead. Because if the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are three separate, co-equal persons, this is talking about Jesus. So if you're talking about God the Son, I don't, I don't hear me please, I don't believe in that terminology. I'm using terminology others use. Others use. But if you believe in a God the Son, which is not found anywhere in the Bible, find Son of God, but you don't find God the Son. If you believe if God the Son is the second portion of a trinity, then that means one portion feared the other portion. That doesn't sound like equality to me. So to me, this is very clear. Another, another passage demonstrating that Jesus was fully God and fully man, and the humanity of Jesus was no different than you and I, which is a very important point for a whole lot of reasons. But the the humanity of Jesus needed the fear of the Lord just as much as you and I do. The man Christ Jesus was not exempt. From the need of the fear of the Lord. And he had to learn to judge not after his sight, not after what he saw, and not after what he heard, but not after what he heard in the context of what others were saying. He had to learn to hear, to judge after the context of what he heard the Father say. Let me tell you something, folks. If you're not learning if you're not learning this verse, if you're not learning how to not judge out out of what you see and out of what you hear going on in this world, you're in big trouble. Said you're in big trouble. Because what the world would reference as wisdom, but if it didn't start with the fear of the Lord, it's not wisdom. But what the world would call wisdom... It's not wisdom at all. Isn't it amazing the more this world gives in to man's ideas and man's ways of doing things, the worse it gets. The next place we find the fear of the Lord references in Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 7. Solomon says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction said it the last several weeks with a couple of other different words, but I think this fits the category as well. I think in a lot of ways we interchange knowledge and wisdom, even though we really know they're not the same, but if we're not careful we interchange knowledge and wisdom and, and we could do the same thing here, but but it's it's not the same thing. It's not uh, Solomon's not just saying the same thing that the psalmist said. It's it's a different word. The the fear of the Lord is the beginning of it's the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of just knowledge. Every, every textbook that gets used has revisions. Science throughout the course of history has had changes in things that it previously said were facts. What is amazing to me is everything, not everything, but a lot of what man changes that he used to think about science brings him closer to what the Bible has said all along. you believe in the flat earth theory today, my apologies because my Bible teaches differently than that. (laughs) That was the thought, man thought and apparently still thinks, go on the internet. You got nothing better to do, Google flat earth theory and find all of those people out there. You would think with all of the abilities we have for transportation now, if the earth was flat, somebody would have gone off the edge by now. Somebody would have found the edge. It is amazing to me that the wisdom and the knowledge that we find in the Word of God has never needed to be revised. It's never needed an update because, oh, oh we're sorry, we, we communicated wrong information. We We got to get it right. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We don't. I don't know what I, I. I got iPhone 14, and I don't know. I just saw another software update this morning. I don't know how many. If I multiplied the number of software updates by the number of iPhones I have have had, it's probably in the thousands of updates. And that's not the last one. There'll be hundreds more. Because man's always got to update. But the word of God has never had to update. And it's going to abide forever. <laughs> Listen to this. This, this. this comes from dictionary.com. I don't know, but dictionary.com is one of the cheesiest sounding dictionaries I ever heard of. But it's... Usually, if you compare it to Webster's and others, it's pretty similar. So, but it says this with regards to knowledge and wisdom. The primary difference between the two words is that wisdom involves a healthy dose of perspective and the ability to make sound judgments about a subject while knowledge is simply knowing. Anyone can become knowledgeable about a subject by reading, researching, and memorizing facts. It's wisdom, however, that requires more understanding and the ability to determine which facts are relevant in certain situations. Wisdom takes knowledge and applies it with discernment based on experience, evaluation, and lessons learned. A quote by an unknown author sums up the difference as well. Knowledge... Boy, some of you need to be wise. Here we go. Knowledge is knowing what to say. Wisdom is knowing when to say it. Wisdom is knowing if you should say it. Knowledge is knowing what to post. Wisdom is knowing whether or not you should post it. There's some very knowledgeable people in our world. In fact, I'll just say it this way. There's some very knowledgeable people in this church. But there's some of you. I'm praying you'd get the fear of the Lord. Because while you got a good amount of knowledge, you don't have wisdom. Mm. I read on. Wisdom is all about knowing when and how to use your knowledge. Being able to put situations in perspective and how to impart it to others. For example, well, this, this next part is so true. You may be very knowledgeable about how to raise a baby after reading countless books, attending classes, and talking to wise friends and family members. All of us who are now parents, we were experts before we had kids. We all sat around looking at other parents knowing all of the reasons, all the things they did wrong. Any wise parent now knows I never was and I never will be an expert. I'm, I'm living more and more what many of you have already lived. When, when, your, kids are, when your kids are young, those young years, especially if you've got multiple little ones in the house, the young years are physically taxing. They're very physically challenging. But to all of you parents with small children today, I am very sorry to tell you, it does not get better. Because what eventually happens is it transitions to not really being very physically challenging anymore, but it becomes mentally, emotionally challenging. And I got four wonderful kids, two great sons-in-law now, and I am blessed. They all love God. They're all living for God. They're all a part of ministry, key parts of ministry in this congregation. But but even just watching them go through life is way more challenging. So all of you that have yet to have kids and You've read and you're watching, you listen. Do yourself a favor. Keep your mouth shut. Because you will eat your words one day. When that precious little one, little person comes home, however, most new parents would kill for an ounce of wisdom to help soothe their screaming baby. You may know a lot, but... You don't need knowledge, you need wisdom. In this last part, I think this is such a great word picture for this. To put it another way, this is is the simple fruit salad philosophy of wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom Is not putting it in the fruit salad. The fear of the Lord is the starting point, it is the beginning of both wisdom and knowledge if you don't start with the fear of the Lord you will never be wise and if you don't start with the fear of the Lord you will never have correct knowledge Oh, you may get some knowledge but you won't have the correct knowledge because the fear of the Lord is the starting point of wisdom and knowledge Isaiah 33 and verse 5 says this, The Lord is exalted, for He dwelleth on high. He hath filled Zion. Zion can be representative of the church. He hath filled Zion with judgment and righteousness. And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times. And strength of salvation, the fear of the Lord is His church. Did you hear that? Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your time. No wonder we have an unstable world today because it has not used the fear of the Lord as its starting point. You can't have stability without the fear of the Lord. I think I'm going to stop with this next one. Proverbs 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord... is to, to what? To hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. If I'm not mistaken, what comes after a colon is, is, is expounding or explaining on what was before. Is that okay? So the fear of the Lord is to hate evil which would include pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Amplified says it this way, the reverent fear and worshipful awe of the Lord includes the hatred of evil, pride, arrogance, the evil way, and perverted and twisted speech I hate. And then the Living Bible says, if anyone respects and fears God, he will hate evil. For wisdom hates pride, arrogance, corruption, and deceit of every kind. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. I've come across these videos on social media every now and then of, of, of people who are Playing around, agitating alligators. I, I I just saw one a couple of days ago as I was. I don't know. Maybe when you're not feeling well, you you pray and read your Bible and you just go places in the Spirit. God bless you. I check out. I I I know what God's doing is he's i know he's doing something through the pain and the suffering but i'm not really interested in the pain i'd like tell me about it later right now i just want to get through this i think it was the other day while i was trying to ignore the discomfort that it was it looked like it it was i don't know if it actually was but it kind of looked like a like a kiddie pool and this guy there's a couple guys sitting around and i I, they were apparently for fun this guy's in the pool with this with this alligator Teasing, tormenting. Based on the caption, I have a feeling it didn't end well, but I decided I don't really need to see that. I mean, I'm not planning to get around alligators to begin with, but... I got a question. How many of you parents here today, with especially those little ones, younger ones at home, how many of you, if you knew that a rattlesnake had gotten into your house? How many of you would just put your kids to bed and you'd go lay down and go to sleep knowing that somewhere, somewhere in that house there was a rattlesnake? I got a question. Is there any parent in this room today that you would do that? What is it? Is a brown recluse that's poisonous, right? Is a brown recluse poisonous? How many of you, if you knew that in your, your newborn's bedroom, you noticed a brown recluse, you'd just go to bed that night, put that little one down in their room, and not even think about it. What would you do? you'd turn that room upside down until you discovered where it was. And if you turned the room upside down and still couldn't find it, you probably would put them in a different room, at least for that night, until you assured it wasn't there. So please tell me why in this world do you let rattlesnakes and brown recluse spiders crawl around over your house that have the potential of killing your babies for eternity? The fear of the Lord is not seeing how much we can handle evil and not get bit. The fear of the Lord is not seeing how much evil we can get away with in our house and still be okay. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Of course, we know this is one of those things that would be in the message, the message Bible, or as my grandmother would say, the messy Bible. We we, we know when it comes to fornication, the Bible just, you know, it just says just just be careful. Just you know, just 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 just, just, just try not to go too far. If you're not married, try not to go too far. But you know. To, isn't what it says, right? Paul said to flee. Flee fornication. Don't sit in a parked car and see how far you can go without going all the way. Flee it. Run from it. Run How many things besides fornication are we trying to see if we can handle them? I don't know why people, and there, there's probably some of you that have or have had in the past, and I don't mean to be offensive, but I don't, I don't understand people that want snakes for pets. I don't understand it. And, well, they're, you know this one's not poisonous. I don't really care. A snake is a snake. I don't. I don't understand why. There are some things that I, I understand. Making pets out of them. I, I. You know, it's. I don't think I've said the name Leo with reference to our dog in a long time. Contrary to what Brother Fernell thinks or says, there still is no intention. I won't say never because the moment you say never, it happened. But there is no intention to ever use him for an object lesson in church i did not say never i i didn't i you know we grew up we had a couple dogs when i was growing up but they were always outside dogs we weren't i don't think we were um mistreated the dogs that we had but man we didn't they got fed they got fed just fine but and if it got really cold they'd get brought inside if it got really hot they you know but otherwise they were just I didn't grow up with a dog in the house. And, and I didn't really get a dog in the house because I wanted a dog in the house. I, I made the decision five years ago. It was at that point, Esther was at Bible College. She wasn't home because if she was home, she'd have been on my side, but she wasn't there. And so the other four people that were still in the house all wanted a dog. And I just finally decided, you know, I don't think it's fair just because I'm the head of the house. It's not fair for me to punish everybody else just because I don't want a dog. And guess what? Now I can't imagine our house without Leo. Very weird. I don't have quite. He and I have a very well-established relationship. He licks everybody else in the house. He, he knows. there's only so far this relationship goes. I ain't trying to be whatever, but if y'all... No, I won't say that. Never mind. there's some things I get I, I, I don't I'm not a cat person no offense part of it is I, 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 I I'm I allergic to them and so but I, I there's some things I get there's a lot of other things that people have made some of you may even have one of these pets that people have made pets out of I just I don't understand why I don't understand why that's your pet I realized that it came in very convenient for Kevin that there was a tarantula in the house. Isn't it, Kevin? Home Alone. Home Alone, yeah. I don't have any Home Alone fans in the house. I know Kevin's big brother having a tarantula was really helpful. That was for the kids, you know. I, that's that's one of those must-watch every year. Sorry, I don't usually talk about movies from the pulpit. Father, forgive me for I have sinned. There's some things I there's some things I understand making pets of, but there's some things I because the fear of the Lord would tell you you don't you don't make a pet out of that. It's got a nature. It's got an unchanging nature. So here's the problem. It doesn't matter what promises. The enemy comes and makes you. And he makes some amazing promises. His nature is he steals, he kills, and he destroys. He may not do it right away, but you can rest assured He's going to steal, kill, and destroy. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Would you stand please? said it already a moment ago, maybe when you're when you're sick, not feeling well, if you're recovering from surgery or a procedure, maybe you're just talking in tongues all day long and having amazing fellowship with Jesus. I'm just being transparent. I'm not there. In the course of the last several days, I've I watched a couple of documentaries on a couple of different singers and actually Christian singers that were some of the ones that I relate to my childhood. And then I've just a couple of other things watching here and there in the course of the last couple of days. Having this subject in my mind, my spirit, just all these different things have just continued to reinforce to me. There's no true life. There's no true life outside of the fear of the Lord. If you want life and life more abundantly, if you want life that lasts, if you want life that has peace and joy and and contentment and and satisfies, it, it has to start with the fear of the Lord. Because I've, I've watched different scenarios, different things in these last couple of days that just reemphasize when you live without the fear of the Lord, you're, you're living a life that's heading for being stolen from, killed, and destroyed. I know it's very late. In the context of the morning service. And I know we got kids here this morning. I'm sure some of them are more than ready to go. But I, I I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And we we didn't do this last week, but I just I feel to do it this morning. I want to give an invitation that I don't care if you're a guest first time today or if you come here all the time, been coming here for years, but I, I wonder if there's anybody here that just, you just feel the tug of the Spirit of the Lord today that's challenging you to, to make a fresh commitment, to live with the fear of the Lord. I, I hope and pray that Last week, this week, and if the Lord allows me to continue in this vein, I hope somehow the the blessing and the the benefit and the joy of that is being conveyed because it there's really no life outside of it this is this is not a this is not you saying. You coming, those that have already come, this is not this is not a an admission to say I haven't been living with the that's not it at all. It's just to say, I, I, I want to recommit, God. I I want to recommit to where the starting point of wisdom is. I I want to recommit to where the starting point of life is. I I want to recommit to what is clean. That everything about it, everything in it is pure, is wholesome, it's right. It's just help us today help us today Lord you're the creator you created this world and more importantly you created us you have the right to do and say expect whatever you want and God because you're the creator we, we really owe it to you simply because of that to live in obedience and reverence respect all of you but what's so amazing, God, is you don't just demand that of us. You don't just tell us to do that and then it's all on us. You, you you, you, then empower us. You strengthen us. You give us grace to be able to do that. Your word says, Lord, that you remember our frame, that we are made from the dust of the earth. and. So Lord, you know that in this world we're living in, nothing new, but in this world we're living in, we are, we are bombarded constantly with messages that would tell us that the fear of the Lord is not life, doesn't lead to life. You don't need to, you don't need to follow that. You don't need to live that, but, but your word is what's gonna last forever. It's not what a politician says. It's not what a trend in society says your word was before all of that and your word's going to be after all of that Lord there are people in this place today that need wisdom there's, there's some things in their life that they're navigating there's some decisions they're needing to make Lord and, and they need the wisdom to make the right decisions they need the wisdom to make the choices that's going to lead to life and, and to life more abundantly so I pray that you would give them the starting point today Of the wisdom that they need in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Father, I pray again for every every child, every young person that's in this room this morning, that they're normally in Sunday school today, that while what I've said, how I said it may not have been necessarily understandable to them, I pray that something has transpired in their spirits and their hearts today that a seed of your word has been sown in the name of Jesus. Jesus it's all about you Jesus it's all about you Jesus it's all about you Jesus there's a lot of different things that we've made it about there's a lot of different things that the world wants to make it about but it's it's all about you life is all about you life is all all about you Jesus it's all about you Jesus it's all about you Lord it's all about you in the name of Jesus all about You. Sorry, Lord, for the oh, it's all about You. It's all
1: about
0: You. It's all about, it's all about you. you, Jesus. It's, all about, yes, it's you, Jesus. all about You, Jesus. Life is all about You. That's my number one duty. That's my number one responsibility, Lord. worship Oh. It's
1: all about
0: you. We're not done singing. We're not done praying. It's but if you need to go or want to go, thank you for being here this morning. Jesus, Come on, the Spirit of the Lord is not done working in some hearts and lives here today. So we don't want to interfere with that. But if you need to go, you're welcome to.
1: Yes, it's all about You, Jesus,
0: and I'll bring You more. Oh, than yes. I'm in For the name of Jesus,
1: yourself,
0: let our hearts be good ground today. Let our hearts be good ground today, Lord, in Jesus' name.
1: You search within,
0: let the seed of your word find good soil in our hearts appear. today.
1: You're looking into my my
0: heart. Heart. coming
1: back to the heart of worship it's it's all about you it's all all about about you Jesus Jesus. and I'm sorry Lord for the the things I've made it cause it's it's all about you yes it's all about about you Jesus And I'm, I'm coming, coming back, back to the, to the heart, heart of worship Oh, it's all about you It's all about you Yes, It's all, it's about, all about you, you Jesus. Jesus And I'm sorry, Lord, for, for the, the things, things I've made it. yes, it's, it's all about you, about you is yes, all about, about